today we talk about yo 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 what it do huh we back episode duh or i guess it's episode one since uh the first episode was episode zero with that uh, said fuck this is so weird <laughs> oh god this is so weird uh but we're just gonna go for it let's go ash got it um i was supposed to record this days ago to be fair i was supposed to record this a while ago and um it just never happened because, again, with my travel schedule and just with everything else going on in my life, a lot of personal shit going on that I haven't really <sighs> clued you guys into, but itty would itty. With that said, um, before I forget, one thing that's pissing me off is I can no longer see the Chrysler building. I used to be able to get a great view of the Chrysler building and the Empire State, but with this construction going on, I can't fucking see the Chrysler building anymore. With that said, I can kind of still make out the Chrysler building, so I don't know if it's like a light outage or some shit. Um, but it is what it is. Next. Uh, I had some debates on how this was going to go. I, oh my God. I hate how fucking much I overemphasize this fucking podcast the podcast because um there's just been so much going on and uh shut the fuck up um i don't know man i just wish i had more a i just wish i had more confidence in myself and b ah uh, just the fact that i just fucking said that shit bothers me man because I'm sitting in your shoes, looking at me right now, and one of you, if not multiple of... Oh, my God. One of you, if not multiple of you, heard me say that and went, Ugh, you cuck. You know, it's hard to see it from a creative perspective because you would just assume like, oh my God, he's crushing it. He must be on top of everything. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and I learned that the hard way, but I'm still trying to see it the easy way so I can like still relate to you guys. But what the fuck is the point? Whether it's the easy way or the hard way, I can't relate to anybody. And it fucking blows. Not long. Um... Yikes. Uh, give me one second. We're going to flip the camera just so I can see when the footage cuts out so I can reload, you know? Lest we forget, this is a fucking amateur production as fuck. And um, the only reason it is is because I feel like it suits me better. Because I know I can crush it. Because I know I'm the shit. Even though I consider myself a piece of shit, irony as fuck. Um, and secondly, uh, this way I can actually look at the light and be like, all right, well, it got canceled out, so uh, restart. 
And again, I feel like we're in the same boat as last time. Last time I had a fuck ton of topics. This time I have even more topics. And I am not willing to entertain any of them at this very moment. Because I'm a fucking perfectionist. And it fucking sucks. Not because I'm a perfectionist. But because my perfectionism is trash. <laughs> Like, when you hear a high-profile photographer be like, I'm a perfectionist, you're like, I bet, bitch. Like, do you. We get it. You're the shit. For me, it's like I'm just some fucking amateur who happens to be quirky, you know? Anyway. Uh, I did want to talk about my stand-up experience, so... Why don't we attempt to do that? So I did take some notes, and I do have some honest thoughts on it, so let's fucking explore that, you know? Um, let me pull up my notes. Let me pull up my notes. <laughs> oh, goddamn. So the title of this, you know what? We're going to call the title what I titled my notes. And that is, Comedy is Like YouTube. All right. So, can't wait to see a heckler dynamic live. Imagination, that perspective. I think what I meant to say was, imagine that perspective. And what you have to understand is, uh, long story short, the first time I got exposed to live comedy uh, other than amateur shit was in Iowa so I work in Iowa I live in New York and I know that's very complex I've discussed it before please check out my uh, Q&A uh, playlist if you're that curious but a lot of people aren't that curious a lot of people are just fucking lazy and they just want me to answer the same questions over and over and over again. And I'm starting to realize that that's just what it is. So I'd be willing to do that, but for the sake of argument, forgive me, I'm not willing to go there, just bear with me here. I work in Iowa, I live in New York, and um, Iowa was the first place I got exposed to stand-up comedy. And funny enough, you know, me and Magoon Squad, uh, we refer to ourselves as the Penguins. And uh, funny enough, the first ever comedy club I go to is called Penguins. Now, oh, and on top of that, it's a literally within walking distance of where I be at. Now, I walk in my very first experience with... Uh, stand-up comedy live. I was blown away. I was blown away. I thought, holy shit, this is incredible. And this was coming from a place where I had always wanted to be a stand-up comic. I thought it was the most incredible, unbelievable, most miraculous job slash position you could hold as a human being to stand up in front of fucking strangers and just entertain them with a fucking microphone. Beyonce needs a fucking smoke show. Kanye, 
I jerk off to Kanye, and Kanye needs a fucking smoke show to impress people. Now, that's why we love Kanye and Beyonce. Holy shit, that rhymed. Hey, yo. <laughs> um, they need the smoke show. I think that's the problem. They need the smoke. Give me the loot. <laughs> they need the smoke show to impress people, for lack of a better eloquence. But, A... Good for them because they're fucking crushing it, right? But B, in my head and in pure comedians' heads, uh, we think we're better. You know what? That sounded so awful. I have no right throwing myself in with the rest of real comedians. I'm not there yet. I want to get there, but I'm just not there yet, you know? Um, but what I'm trying to say is, the beauty of a comedian is their ability to literally just stand by themselves, man or woman, transvestite or cis cuck, just stand in front of a microphone and just fucking talk into it and create entertainment from that. There's no special effects. There's no fucking um, special lighting. There's no nothing. There's pure meritocracy. You show up. And you gotta make us lol. Like, that's it. Um, and that was the greatest thing I always respected about stand-up comedy. Now, it's been tough for me to keep up with stand-up comedy for a minute because, A, I'm new to it, I'm fresh, I'm scared as fuck. Uh, I'm demoralized watching professionals do it and being like, holy shit, man, like... I can never do that anytime soon, you know? Uh, but if you want it bad enough, you go for it, right? So, like I said, it is what it is. And we back, bitch. <laughs> All right, so let's just fucking dive in. Then. I'm just going to read through my notes. I haven't read these notes since that first night that I was at that comedy club, but it doesn't matter because it's just... Yeah. It's just going to spur my memory to feed you these facts from what my time felt like. Now, uh, that whole heckler dynamic thing. Uh, I was just so blown away. Like, no one was heckling. Everyone was having a good time. Because you only hear about heckling on YouTube videos and on highlight reels because it's just an interesting thing that happened. Like, it's just this weird phenomenon that happened where some douche was an asshole and it became a highlight of the show, right? But it shouldn't be a part of the show. And if it does become a part of the show, it's because either the heckler did something crazy or the comic shut them the fuck down. Either way, you want to see it, right? So I was freaking out watching the show because I respect comedians. I respect the art of comedy. I respect not having to heckle and no one had heckled during the show. And to my knowledge, I'd never been to a comedy club before. So I was like, uh, there could be a heckler any minute. And it doesn't happen that often, luckily. At least not in Iowa. And the only time I've seen it happen in New York is with my douchebag friends. So, itty woody. <laughs> Got him. But um, at the time, I was kind of worried about it. So I, I wrote it down. Next point. 
Some are so amateur, you see the inside joke bit coming because they tried too hard. And this was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because, again, the first night I went to a comedy club was an open mic night. It was free. It was in Iowa. It was not in New York. And I, uh, it was out in Iowa. And that's the only reason I had the courage to even attempt to do stand-up comedy. But we'll get there. Listen, uh, I'm at this show. I'm just there to enjoy myself. It's a great show. I have a great fucking time. But watching some of these comics work on their bits, it all of a sudden started to click. I was like, holy fucking shit. These guys are talking about jokes that I've heard on Netflix. I've heard on Comedy Central. I've heard on HBO. And these jokes are so fucking amateur I can recognize it all of a sudden because I'd never been exposed to like amateur comedy. Uh, I'd only been exposed to professional, well-tuned, curated comedy on these, um, you know, platform fronts. And so it was so amazing to see this because it only spurred my fucking inspiration to pursue it myself, if that makes sense. So that was the point I was trying to make with that. Now, have, I wrote down having 6,500 followers. Bro, that is so hilarious to hear because that was back in fucking September, October. That was back in the fall. It is now January and I'm just about to hit five digits in terms of uh, YouTube subscribers. And the number doesn't mean shit other than the fact that it just tells you like, dude, for 10,000 motherfuckers to fuck with you, that's a big fucking deal. To come from a world where no one has any interest in hearing anything you have to fucking say, when you come from a world where you get interrupted every fucking sentence, and now you just do whatever the fuck you want, goof off however much you fucking want, talk as long as you fucking want, and you have almost 10 thousand subscribers that's a big fucking deal man that's like big fucking news for me and uh my friends will never get it because ah i sound like such a pussy saying that but it's just it's fucking true man like you can only go so long in your fucking life getting bullied not getting listened to not getting respected i could go on and on Oh, God. Bottom line, whole reason I gained confidence to even pursue this is because multiple thousands of fucking people, let alone who's to come, uh, respected what I was doing to the point where they were willing to listen to what I had to say, right? Okay, next. Oh, I've heard this advice, so I've been doing a lot of uh, research on how to get better at comedy how to deliver dirty comedy, on that topic, um, I came to this recognition on my own, but it was so helpful to see that others had felt the same way, especially professionals, uh, as far as like giving advice. And the advice was, hey, this is something I came up with independently, but I'm glad to hear that professionals actually agree with me on this. The dirtier you get, the better your fucking delivery better be. 
that first night, I heard innocent comedy, I heard shit comedy, I heard great comedy, and I heard dirty comedy, right? And I don't fucking mind dirty comedy, dude. Do you know what I fucking do for a living? <laughs> uh, the point was, it was just like, dude, they are amateurs. Like these open micers, including myself, we're amateurs. So if something doesn't hit, it's one thing. But if we try to go dirty or racial or fucking dark and it doesn't hit, you fucked up. Like, you gotta fucking hit if you're gonna go in that zone. So you better be fucking confident slash understanding that this joke is gonna fucking hit. Because it might not, my guy. Uh, is it worth it? I don't know. You tell me. Luckily for me, like, I don't have a dark sense of humor. I'm a very happy-go-lucky kind of guy. I don't have a lot of trauma in my life. I don't have a lot of, like, shit that's relatable to regular comics. I've actually started to incorporate that into my stand-up. And we're trying to, or, not that we're trying to, we are kind of getting ahead of ourselves, in my perspective, on this podcast, in terms of my experience, because my experience so far with comedy has been just, you know, constantly trying different things, and for those of you that have been following me on YouTube, you've seen kind of my evolution of, like, different material I'm trying, different uh, modes I'm trying, different, like, attitudes I'm trying, and, um... I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but why don't we leave that there and like just get back to addressing these steps. So, long drawn out jokes are equivalent to people cutting out early on your watch count because you didn't do enough edits and cuts to keep their attention. Okay, what I was trying to say here is the art form and the beauty and the polishing of stand-up acts is the ability to take a story and deliver it in such a way where people are going to pay attention to you. Um, this is one of the things I'm going to continue to work on on myself. And I can tell when I watch these other comics, for example, tonight, let alone yesterday, let alone the day before yesterday, let alone the day before that. Oh, I love being in New York, man. I need to start going to way more comedy. And I stepped it up this week. Um... And that's another reason I'm doing the podcast again, because I'm stepping my fucking shit up. But with that said, I can do so much more. Now, um, you listen to these orators and you're like, yo, these guys are fucking crushing these stories. Like they're making, whether it's a menial story, whether it's a story that you're like invested in from the jump, whatever the situation, their goal is to get you from story start to story end to go fall to massides, to I lulled. Um, and that's very fucking difficult to do. So I respect that a lot about comics. That takes obviously time to hone, to perfect, to gain experience and, and, uh, and pull off. And so I respect comics for that. I'm still new here, my guys. Uh, being authentic is for real because you've believed the image and the brand built you have to have it so if you create a false brand it's a lose-lose for audience and you uh what i meant to say by that i think is that if you try to be hacky if you try to like build up your persona as something that you're not a people will sniff it out and b if they don't sniff it out and you become successful off of that image you're going to hate yourself for it because that's not really who you are. And all of a sudden you have to live up to this image that you 
are going to have a hard time living up to because it's going to be hard. It's not who you are. Is you tight? Got him. Ah, Bob. Anyway, um, sorry, I'm starting to freak out about the timer of this shit. I really got to get like a professional podcast studio bullshit set up here. Uh, but I'm not too worried about it because I'm delivering content. You guys are here for the content. If this is what you want, I got you. If it isn't what you want, fuck off. Uh, bye. Peace. With that said, uh, I, I'm just freaking out because I'm watching the red light and I'm thinking, I don't want that red light to go off while I'm in the middle of a fucking monologue. And then I realize well after the fact that that light is off and then all of a sudden I got to be like, oh, well, when was the last time you saw the light on? It's not worth it. So we're going to pause again and then we'll just restart. Suck a dick. Hey, yo, where was I? Am I all right? All right. Now, when you appreciate comedy, you understand how hard this is to do and that people are just setting up stories as building blocks in front of your eyes. Bruh, this is a big deal. Um, a lot of people go to comedy shows, and I remember being young watching comedy, and I had the opposite thought than what most comics experience, which is, I looked at comics and I was just like, any Comedy Central Presents special I saw or any HBO special I saw or any, any comedy that was available to me as a kid was obviously professional comedy. I didn't have fucking YouTube as a kid to watch like open micers, right? So I'm watching these acts and I'm going, holy shit. How could I ever do such a thing? I I revered it with such revere <laughs> that um, I never could picture myself even attempting to do comedy. Like I just thought it was like this impossible miracle bestowed upon specific individuals, right? Lo and behold, you get older, you meet more people, you realize how pieces of shit people are in general, not just in comedy, just in general, whether it's medical, whether it's my fucking bestest of friends, whether it's whoever in your life. And then you start to meet regular comics and you're like, holy shit, there's some regular ass people out here. Um, now, the other point. Some people look at, some people look to the toast makers to create initial wave of lulls. These guys get it. Uh, I guess what I was trying to get at is whether it's a Chappelle, whether it's a Pryor, whether it's a <sighs> Patrice O'Neill, any name, Dave, Dave Carlin, name any like trendsetter. Like they thought outside the box and got all of us as a society to think outside the box. Like that's the dream as a comic, as a pure comic, I think, I think. Um, it's not about the money. It's about lasting impact. And I think that's the beautiful thing that these guys gave us. Um, let's just keep it moving. I don't want to dwell on that too long. Then comes the second tier of audience who only laws if they laugh. Okay, so what I was trying to get at is 
Lucky for me, that first night I went to a stand-up show, this open mic night, it was a packed house. I don't know for what reason, I've never seen it that packed since, but thank God my first time ever being exposed to live comedy at a professional comedy club was that instance because it made me realize like for certain instances, certain jokes, if there was less people in the crowd would not have hit as hard. But there's certain instances as far as like phenomenons I've noticed. And I don't know the proper terms for it. I don't know the fucking science behind it. I'm just making observations. And the observation I made was, here's a big ass crowd. So if a certain joke is said on stage and it makes a certain crowd luckily lull, then that will create a tidal effect or an aftershock effect where other people in the crowd will lull because... They didn't potentially recognize the humor in the actual joke, but because other people are laughing, they will also laugh. Which is why I've always preferred performing for larger crowds, because that's the safety in the larger crowd. You'll uh, in, inevitably reach a certain populace within the crowd, and if they start lolling, other people, as a ripple effect, will start lolling, even if they don't fucking get it. And as far as you're concerned, you don't give a fuck. You got a lull. Did he? What did he? But anyway. All I was trying to say. Next point. How many points do I have? Actually, I don't even have that many points. So we'll make this one big motherfucking video. Which I will chop up into pieces because I'm a, uh, a realist. Now. The next here is the people that will never laugh unless everybody is lolling. And this just leads into what I was just saying earlier. Like, some people will just not laugh. I don't know if they're stupid. I don't know if they just don't get it. I don't know if they're just even not just paying attention. But if other people are laughing, they will laugh. Itty woody. Why you want a packed house always. Now, next. Oh, totally agree with this. This is such a great first date idea. And in my opinion, this should be your only first date. Men and women, if you are going on a first date, go to a fucking comedy show. Do not go to a movie. You do not want to sit in front of a screen where nothing involves you at all and then you walk away two hours later and in the man's case, I would hope, uh, about what, 20 to 30 bucks lighter? It's not worth it. You didn't get to know the girl. You didn't get to experience anything. It was the most basicest shit of your life. Not worth it. Comedy show, on the other hand, way worth it. Let me tell you why. First of all, when you get there, if you have a good time and the other person doesn't, hey, you still had a great time. Secondly, seeing the kind of humor this person has, man or woman, whoever's on the date with who, will help curate and guide your relationship status with them. Like, you want to be able to have the same sense of humor as your partner. Because if you don't, in my personal experience, that shit is miserable as fuck. What it is, what it is. That's just my thoughts on it. Let's leave it at that. Hopefully that makes sense. Next. Good comedians are like good QBs. Gotta move on to the next joke. Pros do this best. Okay, what I meant by this was, name a quarterback, they get fucking sacked. They get bodied, right? Like, they get crushed. 
they still have the opportunity on the very next play, literally on the very next play, to throw a fucking touchdown, negating anyone's memory of any bullshit about a sack. No one would give a fuck. And I think comedy, what I recognized that night, just watching all these fucking open micers, they weren't even fucking like New York comics. They were just open micers, and I'm just noticing this off the rip, and it was so mind-blowing. It was just like, holy shit, man. Some of their jokes aren't hitting, but if they don't hit, they just move on to the next joke, and that next joke might kill the fucking crowd, and that's what you're shooting for every time. It was so OD, and I took that away from myself. Uh, practice makes perfect, obviously, but um, I've incorporated that into my psyche of like, yo, this is not going to happen overnight. You're going to tell jokes that suck. And today even, actually just today, I told a joke that I thought was funny and no one raised an eyebrow. And it didn't hurt my feelings. I was just like, holy shit. All right, guess it's not funny. So either cut that shit out or find a way to make it funnier. That's the way you need to be approaching this kind of shit. Okay. Next. If I ever get famous and people ask me to do something of my talent at a party or a late night show or podcast interview, I found the perfect response. Ready? I don't send dick pics. Oh, okay. I get this. So this was in reference to if someone asks you to tell a joke because they found out you're a comedian or you're featured on a late night show interview type of shit and they're like, hey, tell us some of your act. In my head at the time, the perfect response was, I don't do dick pics. AKA, hey, we all have dicks as men, but, or, you know, traditional men. But uh, you can't just straight up ask me for a dick pic just because I'm a man. Just because I'm a comic, you can't just ask for a fucking joke. That was the whole premise of that shit. Uh, it doesn't hit as hard as I remember it did when I wrote it down, but it would be. Next. You gotta stop embarrassing hecklers. They're the comedians in the crowd who are desperate to be up there, but just don't gots le guts. Then one day, they do, because they see an opening, they go for it, and you body them. They're now crushed. You've killed another comedian before they even started their career. What career? <laughs> uh, super hot fire reference. Now, uh, maybe I'm just several... Maybe I'm just silver lining the fuck out of this. But my whole point with this was, I think the people that are like lashing out in crowds and the hecklers are like people who wanted to be comedians, but like were too pussy to pursue it. And all of a sudden they see an opening and they're like, holy shit, this is my chance to like show myself. And then they realize they're fucking assholes and then it just shuts down. Especially if the comedian is that dope that they can shut them down professionally. But with that said, uh, maybe I just feel bad. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, when your date or friend turns to you during a movie or speech or comedy show to tell you their riff, that's them trying. Let them. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this just leads back to what I was saying, where, like, you know, you'll be on a date, you'll be at this special event, someone's giving a speech, you're with a friend. Maybe they're nervous, maybe they're not, but they keep constantly turning to you and, like, making comments. That's them trying to just fit in, slash, make the best of the situation, slash, just be a part of the moment. And sometimes it's inappropriate, but sometimes it's just them not knowing any better, you know? Be what it is. 
Uh, not trying to defend them, I'm just saying. That was my thought on it. Knowing how to work the mic is like telling if someone is a pro YouTuber because they understand how to avoid audio peaking. They basically can work the mic like a pro editor. Okay, so my first experience getting on stage as an open micer, uh, I was freaking the fuck out. But I remember almost photographing memory, being up there, being freaked out, but just pausing for a moment and seeing the context of like the crowd and me and the mic and the stage and just being like, holy shit. I could totally see why I'm not prepared to crush this right now, but I could totally see me crushing this when I finally figure this shit out, you know? And that's a very powerful fucking feeling. Um, anyway, I digress. Let's keep moving. It's like its own society. You gotta respect the riles when you hear, or at least I felt urged to. I don't know what that fucking means, but what I think I was trying to say was, if I didn't talk to those comics after the show, and if I didn't have such a good time, and if they weren't that supportive, and if they weren't that encouraging, and if they weren't that nice and friendly to me, and why should they be? I'm a fucking doctor. I've got it made. I make way more money than any of these standard level comics. And um, I'm just jumping into this shit. They don't fucking owe me shit. Um, and I get that. I get that, you know? But just the fact that they took me in, just the fact that they were like willing to treat me like another fucking human being, you know what I mean? Like that shit went a long way into letting me think I could have a shot at this. And I'm not saying I'm going to be the next Chappelle, but I'm just saying like they gave me that confidence. They just gave me the confidence to just fucking go up there once. You know, that's a fucking big deal. I'll leave it at that. Next, we're almost done here. Uh, now I see how when a big name comes into a place like this, first off, it'll fill the room because they have some set fan base. Obviously, you've heard of them. Then it's all these people here who are so willing to watch comedy that they'd watch bad comedy. Because there was some bad comedy at these open mics, let me tell you. Um, and now a big name or even mid-tier name comes through, just like an orator, just straight talk to the audience. That's dope as fuck. And back then, I didn't realize any better, but like, you start to picture these people as like these fucking miracle workers. Like, they're just talking into a mic and just like mesmerizing you and like keeping your attention. But these are well-rehearsed, well-honed skills that you develop over time. Like, I'm a piece of shit. Now it's up. You guys have been able to see every single time I've gone on stage. Um, my hope and my narcissism and my fucking cockiness confidence has told me that I will one day become a big deal in comedy, right? But the bigger deal for me would be how awesome would it be for a kid coming up to see every fucking part of my process from the beginning back when I was absolute ass just so they can have the encouragement to be like, dude, I was not always amazing. Like, I became amazing because I fucking worked hard. That's the stage I'm trying to reach. And I'm nowhere close to it, but that's what I'm fucking reaching for. So that's why I'm uploading all these fucking clips from start to finish. And hey, part of it is probably my own narcissism, but suck a dick. I fuck you. Now, I think we're at the very end here. Um... So I finished all my notes, but I just want to, you know what? Let's make this a part one and a part two. So part one was my initial notes. Let's make part two about my experience since those notes. Because those notes haven't been updated since that very first fucking night of Open Night Comedy. That was in fucking September. And uh, I started doing my own comedy in November. And now it's fucking January. So it's been about two months. And so much more has changed since then. Let alone like this whole transition to New York and shit. So I definitely want to talk about that. But why don't we do that? Why don't we split this up into two parts? So this will be literally episode one of the podcast. All about stand-up comedy. I'm going to shit. That's the core. That's what life is all about, in my opinion. I uh, appreciate you guys sticking around for this long. Um... We have a lot to hash out this podcast, man. I'm sorry. This has been very unorganized. I'm very embarrassed about it, but there's just been a lot going on in my personal life that I just haven't been able to address this podcast, but I'm just super happy that I was able to sit down today and just fucking get after it, you know? So much shit was going on this week with comedy. I literally just binged on comedy, whether it was meeting comics, doing my own stand-up, going to late-night shows at the Comedy Cellar. Oh, my God. That's going to be its own discussion for part two, but, like, as a spoiler alert, bro, it felt like... Oh, my God. I don't even want to get into it. Point is, that shit kept me up till fucking 6 a.m., and it was one of the best nights of my life earlier this week. Um, but here we are, man. We're in the fucking Golden City. The literal Golden City. In my head, anyway. Fuck you. Second day. Hey, yo. <laughs> Anyway, let's cut it short. Appreciate you guys sticking around. Um, hey, the podcast is back. We're going to make this happen, Kevin. And with that said, we'll see you on the next one. We out.